0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the general topic podcast that takes a topic each week and as the title says, Cast Views. This week, my guest with me is another new voice to the show, and I'm really excited to introduce him. It's Luke from the Nerdstalgic podcast. Hi,
1: Luke. Hello, Dan. How, oh, should I say howdy beans? Because that's what I'm known for now. <laughs> I'll be honest, I got chills then. It sounds weird. I got general chills. I've been a fan of the show for so long and now being on the show, it's like, oh, my God, look, my dreams come true. It does happen, guys. It does. Your dreams do come true.
0: Cheers, listen to you. And I haven't paid him either, people. No, so, no, um, he yeah, has so
1: No, no, that was just generally me being nice. But anyway, the check will come in the mail hopefully soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the holiday post will have delayed it. Otherwise, this won't go out. No, um, right. yeah, no. So you're, you're another one. I think you along with Chat Tsunami, it took me ages. We were talking about it and thinking about it for ages. And and then I think with you, I think I, I finally said a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? I said, you're coming on the show Are you free, didn't I? And, and you said, yeah, let's do it.
1: Oh, Like I said, I, I, I'm not generally trying to put smoke up your arse. I am generally a huge fan. It was one of those of like, I know you're very busy. So I had a feeling of like, I ain't going to push it. Because I remember we spoke about this last year when I first started. And I was like, and you were like, yeah, yeah, it won't be for a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, I can wait a couple of weeks. But no, when you've sent me a message on Twitter and said, let's get to it, I was like, yeah, my, my schedule's free. Let's do it. I'm so excited.
0: Like I said, I've been looking forward to getting you on the show as well. And we'll tease before we go into a little, a quick little break. But, the reason for getting you on is one, as the name of your podcast suggests, you talk about all things sort of nerddom and sort of gaming and you do a lot of sort of sci-fi and, and like books from kind of like your past as well, aren't you? you you're, you're very much enjoying things from, I, I'm I love to call them retro because for me, things like Xbox 360 aren't retro, but for some people I can see they are. <laughs>
1: It's class as retro now, which yeah, makes me no, feel no, old. It, yeah. Considering I was a, a young being when that came out, but I'm like, yeah, it's retro now. I'm like, it's not. It's still modern. That hurts.
0: Yeah, so I thought I'd get you on to talk about what geek means to us, what nerd means to us, what the fandom means, and what we've seen in terms of have we seen anything change? Because for me, especially because I'm, I'm just a wee bit older than you, I've bit. probably seen some. Yeah, I've probably seen some change. Actually, you you know what I should have done. Do you want to just give, for anyone who who possibly hasn't listened to your podcast, do you want to just give a quick recap of who you are and and what your show is about?
1: So basically, I'm Luke. I'm the host of the Nerd Stagic podcast. Um, As Dan said, I mostly talk about things that are nerdy, um, nostalgic-based. So anything with books, video games, movies, um, books on video games, that sort of thing, Doctor Who... Uh, Mass Effect, which I haven't got around to that yet, but I need to badly. Anything and anything really nerdism. You know, as Dan said, I love, I am an unapologetic nerd and I love all that kind of stuff. And I get really geeky and the podcast just allows me to express that in in, in a format with other people. Otherwise, it is just me talking to myself, you know, so I, I love it. It's fantastic.
0: Towards the end, uh, before we finish, we'll give you a chance to shout out kind of any socials, et cetera. But again i love your podcast and everything you've said is the whole reason why you're on so before we get stuck into it let's just hear from some friends of the show this is justin over at the movie wire who's actually um, a recent guest so yeah let's hear from justin now
1: he's on the run from the law falsely accused of murdering his wait oh, got my scripts mixed up here ah, here we go this makes more sense the movie wire podcast with host justin henson hear justin's movie verdict wherever you listen to podcasts tune in to the movie wire today
0: And we're back. So we were talking just before we recorded and I think what made me find you or why I first kind of noticed your podcast was uh, gaming, don't you? A lot about the Xbox 360 in, in particular, which for me is a great generation of gaming. But I remember there was a lot of stories as well about your uncle sort of getting you into gaming. So it was the gaming side of your show that kind of first put you on my radar so as a huge gamer myself I kind of just wanted to see your views what got you into gaming what you love about gaming and especially why it seems well I, I may have got this wrong but why the 360 Xbox 360 generation has that kind of attraction for you
1: well like I said I'm only oh, I've got to old I am there for a second I'm 25 um so I'm still relatively young but yeah, my uncle got me into gaming at a very young age. I remember going around to his, and he was playing Halo 2, the multiplayer. And I was just blown away. Because be- before that, I think it was about 2004, uh, Halo 2 came out, about 2002, around about that time. Before that, like the games I was playing were like Spyro, Mario, which again, are all classics. But Halo changed the game. And it still is, even though Infinity uh, Infinite is not that great. It still relatively changed the game for everybody. My dad, he's a huge nerd. He's a huge geek freak. He has to have the latest technology, has the latest consoles. So I was quite fortunate to grow up with able to have these things. My sister had um, a Dreamcast. I had a GameCube. And then as time went on, she got a PlayStation 2. I got a PS2. And I feel like as time went on, I stuck more with the Dreamcast because I thought the games on that was quite sort of out there. But again, it wasn't till the Xbox 360, which is by the time I got to have one which ran 2006 um i was of the ripe age to actually embrace and enjoy it um the hd game in the next gen are like 720p which meant nothing to me at the time but knowing that i could play a game and it looks as good as gears of war looks as good as halo 3 um, and all the other sort of like i remember playing lara croft um i think it was a legend of lara croft and i was like oh my god like she's never looked so beautiful which i know is a weird thing to say but lara croft is just wow so for me the the three sixty holds a place in my heart because it is the console where I spent most of my 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 days, most of my hours, most of my best friends, mostly American, um, all came from the Xbox playing Halo three, Halo Reach, like Forge maps. We had our own clans, uh, playing multiplayer till late hours in the morning, not doing homework because I was playing till two o'clock in the morning, waking yeah, up yeah. Like, dead. But yeah, I think that's why it means so much to me was because. I thought I'd played everything on the 360. And I'm now, again, 24, 25, realizing there's actually a lot of games for the 360 that I've, I'd never touched. And so I thought, well, I'll bring it down from the loft, dust it off, set it up, and I'll just look into games that I miss growing up. And that's sort of my series that I run on my show, which is um, my licensed video game sort of series that I run, where I'm looking no. at like movies and TV show, ga- licensed-based games which are weirdly odd and fantastic and rushed. And I think they have their own little hidden gems in there. But yeah, with the 360, it was just my time to shine. You know, it just allowed me to really understand what it meant to be a gamer. And I'll be honest, from there, it's made me a bit of an Xbox fan because I only really play Xbox now. But, uh, you know, I have my love and appreciation for my days of the PlayStation 2 and that sort of thing. But yeah, Xbox has always been i don't know it's like a safe space for me i just love it
0: was the playstation 2 did you say was that your first console
1: oh no my first console was the gamecube um okay okay that blew me away like how small the discs were and then my dad came home one day and he had a a, an extension for it which is because i had a game, uh, game Boy as well and it was an extension you put on the bottom of the gamecube which meant that you could plug your GameCube into your tv and play game boy games by uh, through the game court. like which blew me away i was like oh my god like that's technology nowadays like you can do that on your switch
0: yeah the 80s and 90s were just a boom for these peripherals because yeah. have you ever seen some of the stuff that was available for the game boy
1: yes i never had any of them but i i've, I've seen them you know the the magnifying glass and the backlight and all this crazy stuff like it makes there's sense. one light
0: yeah there's one like it's called like the Mega Boy or something which is a massive case which gives it two jo- a joystick, I think, over the pad and a huge screen and the light and everything and speakers I think to to oh make God, it stereo. Yeah. It's, they had like it's, ca- it's brilliant.
1: Wasn't there a camera at one stage for it where you, there's yeah. a game and a camera yeah. and the, the I it was think all you pixelated. could print
0: things off it. Yeah, yeah you could print
1: Yeah, a little printer. <laughs> even that even the PlayStation I think PlayStation 1 PlayStation 2 like the proficient, like the things that accessories for that were just insane.
0: But what I was going to say, sorry, was there was a couple of things I wanted to pick up on what you said at the start. And I'll start with, actually, do you know I'll start with the one, the, the more interesting one. The, the thing I really picked up on was the really cool thing is that you said your dad is also of a similar mind or is kind of like a, a, your your term. He was a geek and a nerd as well. Yeah. I think that's really cool because I think I grew up, Sort of in the 80s, so I'm probably, I'm not gonna say, well, I'm gonna say, I'm probably, <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm probably around the age of your dad, it, right? So, so I sort of I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so it was of that generation where technology was becoming more of a thing for my generation, so yeah. yeah, you know, I didn't have that in like the older relatives, if you know what I mean. So, I think it's really cool that it's something that you've got or something that you could share with him,
1: yeah. I, I find myself really, really lucky because again, he was such a Nerd, when it came with technology, that he has to have the brand new TVs, he had to have the top of the range, um, console. So, I was fortunate enough and lucky enough to be able to play a lot of these consoles either day one or like sometime after. Um, and to share that with him was nice as well. Like, I'll be honest, my dad, even though he likes gaming, he can't game for what, for god knows what. Um, so most of the time it would be him staring at the ceiling, spinning around in circles, and I me getting annoyed, being <laughs> like, just follow me. <laughs>
0: It's our reactions. It'll happen to you as well. Your actions Oh, it's down. already
1: started happening. I can't play <laughs> multiplayer anymore. Not as good as I used to when I was a teenager.
0: Isn't that the funniest thing though, isn't it? Because it's like you were saying, I remember when in the heyday of, yeah, of the, the 360, meeting some people through a football forum, weirdly, and playing... FIFA and Call of Duty and back in the day I actually think I was quite a good player but as the years went on I don't even want to venture now into a multiplayer lobby no. anymore.
1: I used to be really good. At, I think my my top games at the time were Gears of War 2 and 3. I was a beast with the Nasha with the shotgun and it was Halo 3 and Halo Reach those three games which are relatively all the same because of the same series um, but they were my games back in the day. I never was a really big Call of Duty fan anyway so i feel like i could play them now and play them for fun but competitively or even at a decent level where i you know, i'm on the top of the scoreboard probably not uh, but again it's one of those that like, i start playing multiplayer and it was like you just lost that you lose that skill over time if you don't keep it up you just lose it but i enjoy it for what it is now but i don't have no friends on xbox all my friends went off to like the xbox 360 and playstation 3 generation ended and then all my friends either went to ps4 or they went to pc and i'm stuck on my own with the xbox and it's like okay, I just and then so that's the way it's been basically since till now with the Xbox series and uh, PlayStation Five.
0: Yeah, I was exactly the same. The Xbox three hundred and sixty after that gen, I think everyone that I was playing with went to PlayStation because I think if you remember, I think the Xbox One had a real really dreadful launch, didn't it?
1: Oh, it did. My dad was one of those people again. He had to have it day one, got it, and yeah. it was a it just bricked. I remember he turned it on and it blue screen, and, ah, and then that was it.
0: Well, there was a whole thing also about DRM, wasn't it, that had to always be online, and it was all about the TV. Yeah. It was about TV rather than games. And I stuck with the Xbox mainly because, I think I've said it on an episode before, one, I just preferred um, i preferred the controllers, I'll be honest. So I yes. had the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. I even had the PlayStation 4 briefly, but I find those controllers were hurting my wrists, and I just preferred the chunkier controller of the Xbox.
1: I have to agree with that. Like it it's that argument between Android and Apple as well. Like I just like the operating system. I think Microsoft is a lot more streamlined. Again the controller is nice. I prefer the games on Xbox. I'm not one of these people like I'm a hardcore Xbox fan. Like I'm not one of these trolls that go online and just be really mean. Like if you like PlayStation, you're dead to me. Like it's not like that. Like if you're on PlayStation, yeah. fine. If you like it, fine. But yeah, I, I just again it's just comfortability. It's what I've always known. It's what I've always liked. And granted, I haven't had any issues with the Xbox Series X, but there are times when I look at it, I'm like, oh, you're a bit ugly. You could look better. It is like a horrible black block,
0: you know? Yeah, oh, oh it is. But I, mine's sort of tucked out the way. But yeah, and also one of the other things and I'm always going to struggle with in terms of if I want to leave Xbox is I've just got such a huge digital catalog now.
1: Oh yeah, of, I have
0: games in back catalogue.
1: I love digital games, and I still try to collect as many sort of physical as possible. But it's so much easier now just to go on the marketplace than it ever was. Just to go, oh, that game's on sale. I'll buy that. You know, it's the cheapest I've seen it anywhere. So why would I spend a little bit more for the physical when I could just get it cheaper on yeah. digital? So, I, yeah. so yeah, I don't really buy physical anymore. But I, I still, I miss those days. Like I, I spoke about it before. I miss demo discs. You know what I mean? I miss the magazines. I I miss all that. But again, we're going to more of the eco-friendly sort of digital side, which I understand. But it's nostalgia. I miss it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember I was actually talking to someone the other day, but yeah, going into the shop, and this is back in the day, of the Commodore 64 as well. So it was cassette tapes. Yeah, and you would get like (laughs) a couple of cassettes and you would used to get full games on them as well. Or they might have been like um, an indie game that someone had developed for it. Or you'd also get... Cheat codes that you could type out, and you'd you'd have to sp- you know spend about half hour sort of typing the cheat code out. But yeah, those days are, those days are gone now.
1: Yeah, you you buy dev kits like you could do it for the PlayStation One as well. Uh, there were dev kits that you could buy for that console, and you could make your own games. And I think if you sent them into PlayStation Magazine, they would print them all off onto a disc, and then in the magazine you could play somebody's game that they'd built on the PS One. You don't get that creativity much anymore, but yeah that was just, that was the way it was back in the day because yeah. it was a new thing yeah. they didn't know what they had or what they were doing so it was like yeah. okay go for it but yeah like it, it, it's more streamlined nowadays less creativity that's what i find with gaming nowadays
0: now i kind of want to steer it a little bit towards the geek and erdom side of things before i ask you the question a couple of questions still on gaming is there the game that you're searching for that you find difficult to get is there a specific game you're after but it's almost impossible, or you're not finding. And if anyone's listening, if they can then help you out.
1: In terms of, does it like 360 or any sort of console? Any. I'm thinking
0: specifically 360, but any. Is is there a game you're after Ooh. that you just can't get?
1: There is. Like I can get it. It's just incredibly expensive. Um, bit of okay. backstory. Obviously, Sony now owns Spider Man, they own the rights to all the Spider Man games. And back during the 360 era, Activision had the licensing rights to all the Spider Man games. And we got a lot of. You know, trash, you know, not very good games, but there was this small subset of Spider Man games which are incredible. And now, because you can't get Spider Man on the Xbox anymore, those prices have gone up. So, if I remember correctly, it's Spider Man Shattered Dimensions and Spider Man Edge of Time. Okay, those two they're not hard to find, they're just incredibly expensive. Um, also, I, I, like, I love license based games. I was also looking for the Captain America Super Soldier game because Capcom joined the the start of the original Marvel sort of movies. Capcom had a deal to make all the games so you have like Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, um Incredible Hulk which I had uh Thor which I never played that had a 3D extension, very odd. And then oh and then you had the Captain America one. So those sort of games are hard to find um or just really really expensive. Oddly enough, the ones that are the most most hard to find are the Disney Pixar games. So it took me forever to find Ratatouille, and to find it at a decent price. <laughs> Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was another one. And I know, I, I know, I'm saying a lot of weirds. Sort of not, you wouldn't, probably wouldn't expect, you'd expect me to go, "Oh, it's this real sort of random." Sort of, but no, a lot of yeah. the games I'm looking for are license based games. Are very sort of niche. I think because they're niche, they're harder to find because either not a lot of people bought them or they have them and they go, oh, this must be expensive because I can't find it anywhere. So yeah, that's the hardest part about collecting. But it's fun. You know, I enjoy going through Facebook marketplace. I enjoy going to car boots, going to charity shops and just rummaging. Like If you ever look at me at a car boot, I'm literally like, I'm in everybody's desks of like, I've got to go for all these boxes of games. And usually it's that's always FIFA. Changed. Yeah, it's, all, it's usually always FIFA, but there's a chance there could be like a spec ops line or something like that buried in there that I've like, Oh my God, you know, I found treasure and they don't know what that, you know, they don't know it's worth 10, 20 quid. I'm like 50p. No problem. Thank you.
0: Rubbing your hands with glee on the way home. Yeah. yeah,
1: Like, you know, you try, you have to, you have to act a bit, be like, Oh, you know, how much do you want 20p? Oh, okay. I'll give you 20p. And you walk and like, Oh my God, like that game's like 12 quid online. You know, so you, it's that English side of me, that like Brummie side of me like, I've got to get a bargain, you know? Yeah
0: everyone loves a bargain um, oh, definitely okay so last thing kind of on gaming when you were younger then and and I mean it's not like you're old now but when you were younger how, what was gaming perceived like because when I was a kid gaming computers were like oh those things that it, it was almost like geek and nerd were almost like an insult rather than it w- what it is now. So like gaming was seen as the yeah exactly the nerd who was in the bedroom playing on their computer because you know they had no friends or they were you know had no social life and it was you know they were just shut away playing on a a computer. Whereas obviously now it's completely different, isn't it? I mean, I would say so many people are now into gaming. The, the consoles are part of your your entertainment ecosystem at home, right? And I think gaming is obviously, and for many years, has been such a far more accepted medium. What's your experience been of that? Of being like a so so into gaming from so early on? Was it accepted right from the off in, like, say, your your school or your group of friends?
1: I think that's a fantastic question, and I think you you you've hit the nail on the head mostly because it was and. it was one of those things of like, if you're a gamer, you're a nerd, you know, you've got no friends, you you know, you don't have a girlfriend or you don't have a partner or anything like that. It was just like, you stay in your room, you don't cut your hair and you smell, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. very much the yeah. fact that you're a troll and you don't come out unless there's for food. And that was the thing. Like, whenever you called yourself a nerd, it wasn't cool. Nobody liked you. And it, it amazed me as, as the more I grew up and went into like senior school mostly, where I was like, actually being a nerd is, is a cool thing within small sort of our own circles of my friends at school i'll be honest with you i my little group of friends were known as the freaks and the geeks and i'm happy with that you know what i mean like i don't see it as as a bad thing we loved it we were weird but we were wonderful at the same time so it was weird to to meet people that also liked the same things as you but also it was a relief to know that there was other people out there but I find as time's gone on and as the sort of pendulum has, has changed People who weren't, I think people were already nerdy, but they always tried to be a lot more cooler than they were because gaming in the late 2000s, I don't know why, but it was always tried to be marketed towards lads. It was a very laddish sort of thing, you know, very sort of girls and drinking and that sort of thing and fifa and it was always really laddish in the early 2000s and i feel like that put a lot of the nerd sort of side off was like oh you know i'm not really interested in you know i want to just play my games i'm not really interested in that side of thing so i feel like for a lot of the nerd sort of community they didn't want to admit to being i'm a nerd because that's how people are going to look at me like oh i'm a very laddish sort of you know women and that sort of thing again pedulum moved times change and i feel like people who were naturally already nerdy Because now it was being more accepted, like with people like Edgar Wright making like the Scott Pilgrim versus the world movie, made it more mainstream. Then you had more video game movies that were coming out and video games became more of more. They were making more money than most things in the world. And you saw the marketing everywhere that it went from, you know, very laddish to the news going, oh, GTA is bad. And they had to. I don't know if you remember when it was like the early 2000s when they were talking about GTA. And that's when they changed the rules in the UK that you had to be over eighteen to buy a game. Whereas before that, you could be any age and buy an eighteen, and there was nobody really cared. So, like again, the winds changed, times changed. I think it became more of a thing where it was like more accepted. People can be a gamer, and you can. And we found girls have always been gamers. There's always been gamer girls, but you'd only ever find a gamer girl, you know, on like forum or like online. You'd never meet one in person, and again. it it allowed women as well to come out and be like, yeah, I'm a gamer too. And to be accepted, you know, it it went from being a laddish thing to a boy thing to being an everybody thing. And I'm glad it's changed. I'm glad it's changed to now be more inclusive, but I do miss those days of just feeling like it's just you and your friends just talking about a special thing and it didn't involve anybody else. I feel like gaming is, is a wonderful thing now, but it's so mainstream. That part of me is like, Oh, I don't want to be part of, yeah, this thing because people, you know, there are trolls online. There are people, horrible gamers out there. And that's what puts me off wanting to be a gamer now because you're going to get those people going, well, if he's a gamer, that means you don't like X, Y, and Z and you're going to be mean. And I'm like, no, anybody can play anything. I love everything. I love everybody. Um, Can we not just play games and enjoy them for what they are?
0: I think I absolutely get that now. When I was at school, it was very much an isolated thing. There were a group of us that were really into games, even though it's not necessarily mainstream, and I'm glad it is now. Having something, I'll, I'll say obscure, but something minor that isn't shared by a wider, wider people it makes those of you who are involved of it that much closer. Yeah, I it, think. it
1: feels special. It feels like a small group of people. It makes you feel like, you know, I can come in and be like, oh, you know, tonight we're going to make a clan on Halo and we're going to go play online. It's going to be fantastic. And then it was just the thing between you and your friends, but now everybody is it, and it just feels. It's still special, but it feels less auth- authentically special than it did.
0: And I think now, because technology is now just so prevalent, so even people who say they aren't gamers, I'm sure they've played a game on their phones, right? I'm sure you, at some point you've downloaded a random game, whether it's Candy Crush. Everyone is is playing games, and I think it's technology increasing in, in and around the home. Maybe it was a fact that when I was young, you know, computers were fairly rare still, maybe.
1: That's a good question because well you have to think of it. What is a gamer nowadays in twenty twenty three? As you're saying, everybody has a, pretty much has a phone. Those phones can download apps. If you only play Candy Crush, are you a gamer? Or are you a gamer if you have all the consoles? Or are you not a gamer if you only play FIFA? You know what I mean. Like what constitutes nowadays as a gamer? Like back in the day, it was easy to quantify because there wasn't many people that did it. Um, there wasn't many games as much as they are now. So relatively it was easy to say oh he's a gamer she's a gamer nowadays it's the fact of well if my nan's playing candy crush and stuff like that on her phone <laughs> is my nan a gamer she wouldn't class herself as one but is she because she games almost every day technically you know
0: because yeah you used to have the arguments didn't and it and it's interesting what you're saying about like the male v female kind of divide because yeah you know to be a gamer even back in the day you had to have played like 20 hours a, a, a night yeah. On, on fifa or call of duty or something oh what you you play um you play that licensed game you know you were saying that you're not a gamer you're just playing cartoon games even then the argument was like that
1: yeah when i was younger it was like well you're not a gamer because you're on a console you're not playing world of warcraft I was like, <laughs> i'd love to play world of warcraft but it's, i haven't got a computer and it's really really expensive for that annual leave, sort of monthly subscription and i ain't going to pay it. i'm only like right i don't know when did warcraft come out I acted been about six or seven when that game came out, so I I can't get my parents to be like, yeah, let's you know spend money and let me play an online game. It Ain't gonna happen, you know. So it, the argument has, has always been around, um, but I feel like it has fluctuated and changed. Where nowadays you're not a hardcore gamer unless you've got the, like a gaming PC. If you're on console, you're trash, and that's just, the um, you know.
0: No, I was gonna say the argument. No, you're right. Has gone on. So people who think it's all about PlayStation v Xbox. No. I mean, even when I was a kid, it was Commodore 64 versus Spectrum. Then yeah. it was the Amiga versus the Atari ST. You've had Sega versus Nintendo for years, <laughs> so there's always been these gaming. But I kind of want to now start looking sort of casting a net wider because, like I said, I'm just so annoyed that what we what we're going to talk about as geek and nerdum when I when I was young was was frowned upon and was seen as something weird and unusual. Because now I think. I'm sure there can't be many people that either haven't dabbled in the MCU, the DCEU, comics, gaming, like we said, sci-fi. There's so much, you know, like Doctor Who. I think most people have probably dabbled into what we now call or or what is classed as the world of geekdom and nerddom. I think it's so much prevalent and brilliant. In terms of the wider thing outside of gaming, the other thing I should say about me is, I wouldn't necessarily say I've got an addictive personality, but yeah. when I go into something, I do like to almost go in.
1: I'm, I'm exactly 100%. the same. Yes. If I invest, I'm invested. Like there's no yeah. sh- way around it. Like I'm going to read everything, play everything. I'm there.
0: Yeah, like about ten or fifteen years ago. Probably no. Was it? it was probably a bit longer than that. I, I was when I started getting into the comics. So I, yeah, I was late in terms of the comics. Once I got hooked on that. And it all started because there was this thing that came out in the shops. So and my my partner, she bought me the first issue because she thought I might be interested. And that was it; I was then hooked. And and from then on, I had bookshelves upon bookshelves of books. Now it's only because my interest has now gone on to vinyl records that I've <laughs> I can't afford
1: to do both. Oh, I've got a few myself.
0: Yeah. Or well, even then, like with gaming, I, I I tend to like as soon as the sales are on, I'll tend to buy them. The films, like the MCU when it started, I I fell into that really hard. So I've kind of got that addictive personality in terms of if something interests me, I'm I'm all in. So in terms of general, then wider like films, TV, general merch, what what's the kind of things that have grabbed you over the years?
1: Oh, God, there's been, there's been many. Quite recently, I don't know why, I don't know where it came from. I just woke up one morning and I'm like, I miss the Dreamcast. And then from there, it was like, I've got to now replay every game that I ever played on the Dreamcast. So I remember, um, I was like, Dad, where's the Dreamcast? Oh, it's in the loft. Okay, we're getting it out. Do you have any games for it? I can't find any. So I had to go online. I'm still hunting for Jet Set Radio. Can't find it anywhere because it's mega expensive. Um, I managed to get a copy of uh, Disneyland. Uh, this was a game I had. Uh, Disneyland World Tour Kart Racing, which I think that was the, the genesis for me of why I have such a big love for kart racing games and like crazy taxi and playing all those games so that's one but it happens with books as well I'm, an, I'm a huge bookworm and if there's a series that i like i'd just delve into it um again big fan of doctor who um I, i'll be honest i went off it after um david Tennant uh, he regenerated into matt smith and then a couple of years later i was like you know what? i'll get back into it and i just dive bomb straight in and then i had to get all the books and had to get all the figures again i am very addictive when it comes to certain things i can't help it like if i'm invested i want to know everything like you're an, like for example something that we can both rely on we huge mass effect fans right mm. now i'm sure if we did a, a podcast about mass effect we could talk about all the different races and talk about the politics behind the krogan and the solarian i'm not going to get into it but we we could right and it's one of those of like when i played that game i just fell in love with the world and the characters that i found myself sitting here reading the codex About the different races, about the politics of why this person does not this person, and then I had to get the books and I had to get the comics.
0: Yes, (laughs) you know I had
1: to get all the DLC, and it was like I don't know anything when it comes to like life skills. But if you ask me why um, the uh, Krogan were needed in the Rachni War, I can give you an essay. (laughs) It's not important, but I know it.
0: No, but I think that's brilliant. I love stuff like that. And and actually, you've just hit. You've made me think of another question. Do you think a lot of times for a lot of these um, franchises and things that it can be intimidating for people to come in new? Because, for example, like Doctor Who, where do you almost start with Doctor Who? Do you start with the old, have you watched like the original series as well? You know, like the the original from the 60s, etc.
1: Doctor Who is an easy and hard one to get into. I have watched some of the older ones, mostly all Tom Baker. Um, Tom Baker is my favourite of the old um, Doctor's. Just because he's a giant child, and like he talks to me, and like we're very sort of akin in the way of our personalities. Yeah. For Doctor, for anybody wanted to get into that, I would say just start from the 2005 revival with Christopher Eccleston, and yeah, work your definitely. way up. Because the way I think I did a whole sort of podcast um, episode in the last season, just talking about the temp, the um, ninth Doctor, because how good he is of just transferring into that world without needing to know anything about the time war no you don't need to know anything about the gallifrey and the daleks like it's all slowly sort of introduced to you and as the series goes on with david Tennant, matt smith you kind of learn more about it um but doctor who does get weird and it does get difficult to get into like big finish i'm trying my best to get into big finish but that is really hard to get into one because it's mega expensive it's not cheap big finish um and two it's very obscure, and again there's so like that's been going since nineteen i want to say nineteen ninety eight nineteen ninety nine um so there's tons and tons of audio adventures for all the different doctors, so that's hard to get into and again, you've got the older stuff as well, which is really hard to find. You have to get like a brick box um subscription yeah. to watch any of the old ones so it is hard. So I tell anybody who wants to get into Doctor Who, just watch the, the most recent stuff. It's all explained there. And if you're interested and you want to get invested, there are books and comics out there and stuff like that. Um, but if you're not, if you just like it for like, oh, funny man in a box bigger than the inside, like if you just want yeah, that, just watch yeah. the, the newer stuff. But yeah, I, I do find there are certain things that are intimidating. But again, when you you've got that addictive nature, it's almost a challenge. It's like, yeah, okay. I'll see how far I can go down this rabbit hole until I obviously financially can't go any further or it gets boring. Um, and I've done it with many things. Like I'm doing it now with Xbox. Like I'm collecting license-based games, one for the podcast for review, um, but also just out of curiosity because I miss a lot of those games. So I've now I go back and collect them all and play them and talk about if they're good or bad. You know, so... Do, do you
0: know what? The, sorry, I was, I was just going to say, the thing you've just said there though about Doctor Who start with the new ones I agree because I was never a huge Doctor Who fan of the original series and it was only a number of years ago I actually started with the Christopher Eccleston then yeah Tennant, Matt Smith I think I stopped when it got to uh is it Peter Capaldi?
1: Oh you missed out yeah well I
0: think it's just because I binged to so much of it that I kind of went off the show in general yeah and you know I kind of want to get back into it but the the point i'm coming back around to because we'll digress all the time i think do you think and i'm trying to gauge kind of like age-wise and that do do you think it's possibly easier now to get into certain shows like that because again star trek i was probably never a, a fan of as the original series because now the shows there's a bit more budget and they're probably a lot more serious in tone so like I would say, especially the Christopher Eccleston, the way he played the Doctor, you could say it's almost like a drama with sci-fi elements rather than it being a sci-fi show at times. Do you know what I mean? There was that, there's that undertone, not the undertone, sorry. There's the arcing story behind it. Whereas if you, as especially nowadays, if you try to get into the older stuff, it just looks really cheap and tacky possibly. Yeah, Yeah, can be.
1: I think it's easier now to get into it because as you say, people take it a lot more seriously. So there's more of a budget because there's a lot more people who are watching, so they're going to try harder to actually make it look good to get people to come in. But I've said it before on my own show, and I think I said this when speaking in privately with um, Sean from Review It Yourself. Um, One thing that I always think, I feel like I'm kind of special because without sounding big-headed, because I was born in 98, so growing up from 98 till now, I, again, I didn't know what Star Wars was. My first sort of initiation to Star Wars was Phantom Menace. And I feel like that's why I have so much love for that movie. It's because that was my introduction to it. Mm. And then my dad was like, oh, there's other movies. And I remember we got those on video. And I remember watching them and being like, oh my God, this is incredible. And it's the same with Doctor Who. By the time Christopher Eccleston came around in five, I didn't know what a Doctor Who was. I didn't know anything about it. And so meeting Christopher Eccleston, that was my introduction to the show. That was my introduction to what... Doctor Who was. And then as I grew up again, my granddad was like, Well, you know, there's this guy, long scarf, hat, Tom Baker. I got some DVDs. Do you want to watch them? Yeah, definitely. This is weird. Like this this is not as good as what I've seen now. This is terrible. But that's what made them so good was because they were cheesy, the sets wobbled. You know what I mean? Everything looked really cheaply made, but I think that was the essence and joy of it. Was the fact of there's a guy who's very childish, very silly who's just having fun and because he's having fun i can have fun yeah. and then once i didn't want to have fun and i wanted to be a bit more serious i could go to chris wackerston or even david tennant eventually and be like look i'm getting two different sides of the same coin but they have a different tone and i think it's harder nowadays because as time's gone on like i said the production value's gotten better so people are looking at that now and going oh well that looks fantastic that looks terrible why would i want to go back and watch that and it was the same thing of like when we had coloured TV and black and white. It was a fact of, well, I've got coloured TV. Why should I look back and watch the old shows, old films? You know, let's just move ahead. So you do get the old souls like me, like you, who like the old stuff, the way it was and the way things were. And you get people who were like, eh, you know, it happened, but I want to move you see, on.
0: see, I think I grew to love them. I think as a kid, I didn't because they just seemed, even for me then, they seemed that generation apart. But I think as i got older, I yeah. think you could appreciate it because I then got more into it. So I've always had a kind of affinity to sci-fi because even growing up, there were certain shows I absolutely loved. So the original Quantum Leap, I don't know if you ever saw. Yeah. Do you ever see a
1: show called Sliders? I remember hearing of it, but I think I was too young oh, for it. You should it.
0: probably check that out. I mean, it, it, it was great. But even though it was at the time for me, and, and I'm doing the, the, the air quotes now that obviously people at home can't see. But for your <laughs> benefit, it was quite cheesy then as well but yes. it hooked on to one of the things i'd always had about like parallel universes etc so i've mm. always had that love of it but maybe because those two shows were modernish to me that's what helped me it's almost like yes. my gateway into it which then made me appreciate sci-fi as a wider um whole
1: i i miss the cheese yeah, yeah. you know shows nowadays aren't as cheese as they used to be um, and I think that's because they, they rely too heavily on CGI because it's so readily available and cheap to do. Well, back in the day, it was really expensive to have CGI. So if a show was to have it, it would only use it very minutely and I think would be practical. So I miss that cheese. But like what I found myself doing now is I have I found myself going back and watching shows that I missed. So last year, I binge watched Buffy. OK, yeah, yeah. I missed that growing it's... up. I love, but I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I fell in love with that great, show. Yeah. But like, I want to start now looking at X-Files because I missed that. Mm. I only ever saw the films and I thought, I want to go back and watch X-Files. I want to go back and watch Stargate. Again, Miss oh, all of yes, that. Yeah. So there are things like that. Like Star Trek, I don't know. I, I was always a star, more of a Star Wars fan if I'm being honest. But I did watch a few episodes of... um. Oh, what, what's the one with Picard?
0: Uh, Next Generation, was it?
1: Next Generation. I, I, I did watch a lot of the Next Generation films and I preferred them to um Captain Kirk, which I, I know that that might be so a bit of controversy, Picard over Buc- um, Kirk, but I prefer Picard.
0: Back to Sega versus yes, I, Nintendo and so, um, PlayStation versus Xbox, yeah. Yeah, Picard versus uh, Kirk. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I I just prefer. I don't know. No, you do. You do.
0: You, there's always you're gonna have an affinity to often to one person or one actor more than another. I think it's
1: natural. What's well, the thing? Because I never liked the the show, yeah, yeah. But I loved the films, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I only ever used to watch the films. It's the same with um the most recent sort of star trek movies i love the films but i only ever watched um, star trek discovery on netflix um and that was the only real proper star trek show that i watched both seasons of and then when it went to paramount plus i was like oh can't be asked
0: but yeah even star trek now though there are so many different shows aren't there and that's the thing so it feels oh, yes, like it's it's someone who maybe wants to get into it now how do they do that? Because original shows, Next Generation. Oh, what's the one recently? I, I can't even remember. But there are so many.
1: You got Picard. I see, yeah. Which I've heard bad things about. What's the
0: one with Scott Bakula in it?
1: Oh, um, Discovery. Was it Star Trek oh, Discovery? No. Well, he wasn't Discovery, but he now plays Captain Pike, doesn't it? Uh, yeah.
0: So, it's, I think that's what I, I'm trying to say. I think can it start becoming too. Too uh, convoluted, and now anything, also anything, can become a fandom now, can't it? It just feels like any show, once it mm-hmm. gets that following, is a fandom, isn't it?
1: One thing I'd recommend, though, if you you want Star Trek but you want classic Star Trek but in a modern setting, is to watch the movie or uh, TV show Orville. You
0: no, know, I have seen that. Yes, yeah, yeah. It. It with um...
1: it's a fantastic show. It it basically does Star Trek but better, in my opinion.
0: It's um, it's a guy who does Family Guy, isn't it?
1: yeah Seth That's it, Seth um, <laughs> it it's on its third or fourth season now, but it's fantastic. It's got the c g i visual effects which are fant- like looks like movie quality, but by also having the practical stuff mm. so it feels like classic um, star trek but it also the stories that they tell are very sort of hard hitting you know each one's like a powerhouse mm. they're not all great, but every episode has meaning, and it feels like classic. Um, star Trek. Yeah, they um. So I would recommend the the author. Yeah, they
0: did one similar to a Black Mirror episode where they landed on a planet where it was all about likes, wasn't it? Or if you did good stuff, yeah. And, and that was quite an interesting because it was seen as almost like a comedy. Well, it wasn't. is is a comedy, but they, that show was quite had that sort of dark undertone to it as well, didn't it? They,
1: they had another episode. I think that was the same season where they went to a planet and everybody born under a certain a certain star sign were considered aggressive and if you was born to that star sign they'd put you in prison and then one of the uh, people in the show no spoilers ended up getting sent to it and then they had to kind of deal with that bureaucracy of like oh we've landed on this planet we're not meant to interfere Mm -hmm. but we have to be like it it is nonsense judging people under a star sign you know yeah and it's that sort of story where it's on the nose but it's not in your face it's like i'm 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 trying to teach you a lesson i'm trying to tell you something without Being annoying about it, whereas most shows nowadays, I feel like they try to push the envelope a bit too much, where it gets a bit like, you know, I know what you're trying to say, but you're ruining what we're trying to show here. And
0: I think you can easily dismiss the Oval because of Seth MacFarlane as being
1: a silly comedy, potentially. Which I think a lot of people have. People go, "Oh, that's the South Park." I mean, that's the Family Guy guy.
0: Okay, kind of keep an eye on the time. What What about then? Sort of like the wider celebration of fandoms and that. So, have you been to, or did you used to go to comic cons?
1: I have been to a Comic-Con once, which I know is a horrible thing to say, considering I'm meant to be the nerdy guy and I've only been once. I've been to Comic-Con once. That was in 2019. I had planned to go in 2020, but lockdown and all that.
0: Was that the MCM one? Yeah,
1: yeah, up in uh, up in Birmingham at the NEC. Well, they've changed the name now. It's it's not called Comic-Con. It's called Megacon now, um, which I miss that, I missed that one this year, sadly. But I've been to loads of gaming sort of nerdy conventions. I don't know if you, this would be for anybody who lives in the UK. But do you remember the show gadget, the gadget yeah, show yeah, yeah. on Channel Five? Yeah. All right, they used to have shows at the NEC. Oh, okay, okay. So, so I used to go to them with my dad. Again, he loves technology, so we'd always go and we'd always look at the new tech. Um, and there'd be sometimes be gaming things there as well. Uh, I used to, I, I can say it now because I'm no longer in school. My dad used to phone up and be like, oh, Luke's sick. He can't come in. And he used Brilliant. to take me Brilliant. to these conventions. Oh, you know? super. And when I got to, oh, yeah, he was, he did it for loads. Of things. I remember the Indiana Jones, when the the third movie came out. Again, he was like, "I'm me getting ready to go to school. He was like, you're not going to school. I was like, what do you mean? It, it's it's Thursday. You're not going to school. I was like, why? You're going to cinema? Okay. Well, Watching Indiana Jones? To, no problem. If I have to. If I have to, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um But I've been to a lot of sort of techie sort of conventions when I was in college. um, Because I'm a very sort of confident, sort of outgoing sort of person, um, or so I'm told, but me, I'm just very much good at masking, very good at sort of pretending to be confident. I used to be be asked to do what's it called now? Expo, um, sort of presenting that sort of thing. So, like, because I did game design in college and I did it in university, they would pay for us to go for the four days to like, Um, Go to um, EGX, which is a big sort of gaming convention that's held in Birmingham as well as London, which is kind of like E3, but smaller. Um, Even a rest in peace E3. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they used to pay for us to basically to exhibition. So I'd go there and I would promote the college and the course and that sort of thing. But also during my break, I'd be allowed to go out and play the games. But one of the, the upsides of that was the fact that because we got in, we had to get in and set up before, the sort of public came in we'd get an hour to two hours i've been able to go around the sort of games and the booths talk to the um, developers play the games early um not have to wait in queues so i ended up we'd be there for all four days and i could basically play majority of the games by the second to third ga- day okay. and on the fourth day my last day was literally me just walking around being like i want to play metro exodus again and i'd go in and play it so I do miss those days. I do miss the exhibition. I have to kind of play, pay now, sadly. But I've I've been to a lot of sort of gaming expos, a lot of conventions. I love them. I, I am hoping to go back to do some more this year, hopefully.
0: I love them. Um, Again, I would say I got into them fairly late. So you've also reminded me of gaming ones. I did go a couple of years. So you know the Eurogamer? I do. They did a few. I don't know. They might still do. But they did do, they used to hold a yearly um, games expo. It was in London. I think they do it in Birmingham as well now. Um, so I went to one in London and Birmingham.
1: Oh, it's EGX, I think. That's
0: it. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's EGX now. But even the Comic Cons, what I love about them and the gaming one is, and, and and this might sound like a cliche, but they're just great places to be because everyone there is is there to have a good time. They are fans of obviously everything that's being exhibited. And it's just a great atmosphere to be in. It's sort of one of the few places you could walk past someone dressed up as Spider Man just strike up a conversation with them. You know, if that happened on the street, yeah, you probably but, wonder what's going what, on.
1: What I love about it is, and it, I've I enjoyed comic and conventions so much, especially going to Comic Con. Was you just feel welcome? There's no judgment. There's no feel of you don't belong. Even if you're not cosplaying, even if you're just going in in like a normal sort of nerdy T-shirt, you feel like you belong. Mm. Mm. You know everybody is so nice. You know you can walk up to people and go, "Can I get a photo?" Yeah, no problem. Yes, and you yeah. get a photo, and you know they'll be really nice to you, and you you might even get a, a conversation with them. And especially when you go to like certain, because when you ever go to conventions, they set them out from the game in to like meet the celebrities, and then the part I like to go to is the indie yes. sort of yeah, scene, yeah. is where you get the indie sort of comic book writers. Um, and it's just fun to talk to them. and be like, "Yeah, I made this art, and this is how I came up with the character." And it's just you don't get things like that anywhere else. Like it's it takes all things that are nerdism and good, and just puts them in, in a in a, in it's a room amplified. Isn't and it's it so yeah. lovely? Yeah. yeah, there's no problems. That I've never like all times I've been to conventions, I've never had any arguments. I've never felt uncomfortable. I've never felt anything negative. I've just felt happy all day. And I'm like, I want to come back. Sadly, last time I went, um, I wasn't in cosplay, but I do have a Jedi, a full Jedi outfit proper with lightsaber and everything. So next time I go to a Comic-Con, I'm dressing up as... um <laughs> you know what? Uh, I G- haven't...
0: I'm have. I've. No, I've I'm not a cosplayer, and and I don't think I ever will be.
1: Oh, you've got to give it a go.
0: But I absolutely think they're great. I mean, the sometimes the ingenuity of some of the costumes and...
1: Oh, the dedication. Yeah, the dedication. I mean,
0: even my wife, who... She's not necessarily, well, she's definitely not a gamer and she'll watch all the Marvel films as that, but she wouldn't say she's a, you know, she's a part of the the Comic-Con world. She would come with me to these Comic-Cons and she would love it because again, it's the atmosphere. It's just out of fun. And there are some people, some of these cosplayers are just superb in how much, you know, kind of the outfits they make for themselves. And even yeah. her, she loved going to these events because they are there is just something always different to see.
1: And and you you always find they want to talk about it. It's like you know, I this this one piece took me forever to make, and I had to go online and I had to find a print of it, mm. and I had to sew it, yeah. or had to get a friend of mine who who does. It it, it blows my mind the dedication to it. And I wish I had that much free time. And um, but again, it's that thing of that addictive side of it. Once you get into it, you are a sort of invested you know and that's wonderful beautiful thing well i'm
0: gonna the reason i'm laughing is because yeah the the addictive side of things as well and this probably why it's probably a good thing i'm not a cosplayer because i'd probably spend far too much money because i haven't been to a comic con since covid not because i don't want to go back just it's that gap has almost stopped me looking at it for a bit if you know what i mean then other interests have come up but i was sitting there trying to work out how many i've been to and when and between 2016 and 2019, I actually went to seven, I worked out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: not bad. No, but yeah, but it's quite a lot. I thought it was over a wider period. So with friends and family. So it, they're all between, I think, three, really. So there was one, it was short-lived over here, because I think the company, let's just say, I think they might have dissolved. But there was a Heroes and Villains one, yes. where they seemed to be more like, was it the CW shows? So you had a lot of people from Arrow and The Flash oh, and yeah. things like that there. Then I went to a few of the the MCM Comic Con, which you said might now be called MegaCon, but that was at the Excel Centre in London. And then there's a London Film and Comic Con. That yes. was, at, I think, Olympia. So there you had a lot more of like the the film, like a lot more of the as it says really, but a lot more of the film and TV stars, and they're all different. They're fascinating to see because they've all got a different vibe to it. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, like I said, I realised I've, I've been to yeah, I went to seven in those three sort of three or four years. So, and again, it's just because that addictiveness. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. When we came back from the first one, I think the first one I went to was a heroes and villains because I remember we were big fans watching The Arrow. Yeah, and I was big yeah, into that as well. Yeah, and and like I can't remember if the Flash was out there. So. We went because it was oh god, what's his name now? Stephen Amell, sorry, and and Michael Rooker yes. was there. Michael Rooker, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, etc. And the high we were on when we came back that night, and then the low that we had the next day because we just had so much fun being in and around that yeah. atmosphere. It was just like it was so so such a roller coaster. We we were on a downer the next day because you know you were bumping into these, and you were literally bumping into these celebrities you were seeing all these stands, like all these comic stands, the, the, the stands selling the memorabilia, random figurines and, you know, like pops, etc.
1: They're my downfall when it comes to Comic-Cons. Like one thing I would give anybody uh, advice, if you're going to go to a convention, take money. Yeah. Because you will find, definitely find something, no matter how niche or odd, you will find something and go, I really want that. Um, and it'd be that nerd side of you, like, I don't need it. I just have to get yeah. it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> So I've I bought so many random things.
0: Yeah, I've come back with some comics I wanted. I've come back with um, mystery boxes. Yes. <laughs> They're always the one. Even though I know I didn't need them, every time I walked past them, I was thinking, this is going to be the box that's got the really valuable stuff in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you kind of talk yourself into it. Like, I've done that before. Like I've seen mystery box guys and I've walked past it a couple times. I'm like, I don't need it. I don't need it. And then near to the end of the day, you're like, you know what? I'm going to get it. And then, i hate buying i buy mystery boxes because i have buyers remorse as it is yeah, yeah so when i buy these things i'm opening them and i'm like oh they're full of crap but i had to buy it to find out i just had to buy it yeah. you know so i do enjoy it uh conventions like you said you do come off on a downer when you come yeah. home it's like I've, I've i've met characters i've met all these wonderful people i've seen celebrities and now i'm home and i'm like I want to do that again. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just such an infectious sort of atmosphere, and it's it's full of love and creativity, and it's just wonderful. And especially if you dress up as well, and you get people coming up to you and asking you for photos, strangers, but they're very lovely about it. And it it's I don't know, it's it's, it's what I love about nerdism yeah. is the fact of everybody, no matter what you what you enjoy, no matter what side of the fence you're on, when we come together at conventions, we're we're all just want to share. Yeah in that love of being a nerd. And I think that is the wonderful part about it.
0: Sometimes people say to me, oh, because, you know, I've taken advantage of the photo ops there and people say, oh, why, you know, oh God, you you spent money to have a picture. I'm like, well, look, firstly, I know I'm not their friend. I'm not saying that. But secondly, you know, I often... It's not as simple as this, but I often put people into two brackets. You're either an experienced person or you like things. And you could be a combination yes. of both. And I think for me, I've I've realized over the last sort of five, ten years, experiences mean a hell of a lot more to me now.
1: Oh most Yeah. Definitely.
0: And having that photo up with that person or being around and even in the queue when you're waiting for the photo, the conversations that you have with the people around you, and you just see that excitement, that buzz going on as you as you get oh, into yeah. it, and then you see people coming out the other side of the photo sort of area and how excited they are and they're you know they're just running to the printer to get their photo it's just it's just such a good
1: vibe it is it is wonderful i've i've had that same experience where i've been waiting in line for a a game and the hour the line could be like an hour long and i've stood there and i've ended up talking to people next to me and we're just talking about it'll go from the game itself to other things and next thing you know you've added them on facebook and you're talking to them regularly and then you're playing with them on xbox you know you don't go there to meet people you go there for the experience but because everybody is there for the same reason there's not a single person who doesn't want to just talk and gush over what they love yeah and that's a wonderful thing
0: i did have a look right so the first english comic or the first comic con in england apparently was in 1968 which i find quite amazing yeah the
1: brit i'm surprised i was expecting 90s no
0: the british comic art convention apparently i mean it's probably not a a convention as we imagine it now apparently that was it then and just a couple of things on so obviously san diego is the one you want to go to right love to yeah pre-covid that was attracting 135,000 people Contributing over 165 million dollars to the local economy, and and every state hosts at least one Comic Con every year. So this just shows that this this isn't going to go away. And how much oh, no. you, the cynic can look at it and say, "Yeah, these are money making." Of course, nobody does anything for free, right? But I think it's just to show one how long. So if you if you look at sort of that in some, or some form or another, these have been going on for 60 years, and the amount of people that are going into these is just shows no sign of waning does it i mean i think covid has reduced it that might take a couple of years to build i think it's it was ninety five thousand people in 2021 which is natural to go right back to the start of what i was saying how before geek and nerddom and and superheroes and that war was almost like an insult now it's contributing almost 170 million dollars to san diego alone
1: well that's the thing like it's the same with gaming you know gaming used to be just a thing that you just did on your own you know it wasn't a big thing and now gaming is like a billion dollar industry everybody's taking notice there are like adverts in video games now you know and which i don't like but that's an all different topic um as well as you know with nerdism and and comic cons you know they bring a lot of money to uh, towns and cities so people want to have them because they bring people in so it is a lot more mainstream now, but again, it goes back to what we were saying is the fact of, I'm, I'm glad it's now accepted, but at the same stage is that I miss those small little groups of us where we yeah. could just enjoy this special thing with ourselves yeah. and it just be special, yeah. you know, cause as you were mentioned about the comic con, um, again, I haven't been since COVID and I'm very sort of, cause whenever I used to go to a convention, I always used to get the convention funk, which is where you don't. You know get a bit funky get a black nose might be yes, a bit yes, of the yeah, yeah. and ever yeah. since covid uh, i've been very much the fact of i might leave it a year or two yeah. so i might go again either depending on how, see, see how things are i'll either go to the one in november um the end of this year or i might go to next year in march um but i do miss it i miss it greatly but i think again covid knocked a lot of people and those that go to comic cons now are probably the most either the hardcore, or they just don't care.
0: Calling it now. How about the next year? You and I go. We do a pod there, or we do. Oh, a that'd pod be fantastic. How about we do it? Call it now.
1: Oh, <laughs> definitely. I'm a, I'm a traveling to you. or are you coming down to Birmingham?
0: Look, maybe we do one of each.
1: Yeah, that'd be a great. One. I'll get on the train. You can drive down.
0: But oh, sorry. Before we go though, what I will say though is I agree with you. What you're saying about that sometimes like the, the smaller thing, but. What I found is there are more and more things now appearing and predominantly, I'm going to say it's in London. I don't know around the rest of the country, but like a couple of years ago, I went to something called the art of the brick, which was, um, it was just like, almost like a pop up thing in London, but it was DC characters, DC world made out of Lego. Oh, wow. And I might actually, after this, I might send you some pictures and I might put, when, oh, when this episode goes out, I might put some pictures. But that was great. Recently, I went to a Stranger Things immersive experience and a War of the Worlds immersive experience. So
1: I remember the War of the Worlds one that you, you told me yeah, about. So
0: there are these things that are starting to come out, which I think are slightly unusual. And I think in years they can only get even better.
1: Well, there, there was one in in London as well. It was a Doctor Who one, um, which I okay. didn't manage to go to. But the storyline that they told in that was actually canon for the oh, show. Really? Um, yeah. So a friend of mine went and I was like, tell me everything. Because again, it was that addictive side of it. I need to know what happened to the story. How does it connect to everything? <laughs> um, but it, they only ever do them in London. They never do them anywhere else. And I'm like, I can't be bothered to travel that far. Like I'm a nerd, but I'm not that, you know.
0: it's Yeah, that's going to be the thing. A lot of things... Like that, the um, the unique things are often going to be London centric, which which mm-hmm. I get. You know, is great for me because I'm only like a twenty minute train ride away. But yeah, we'll sort we'll sort some things out for next year. Um, I've oh, kind definitely. of so I've, I don't want to sh- sort of end this here, but i am just aware of the time. I think you're going to have to come on again at some point. Whether we talk, oh, whether we to, continue it's this, been an I know pleasure. Cheers. Whether we continue this or we do something else, but yeah, we. I know we've just scratched the surface and there's probably people sort of shouting at us saying, oh, you haven't mentioned this or that. Let us know what you ha- we haven't mentioned. So when this episode's out, yeah, when you've listened to this, drop Luke and myself a note, say what, what you thought about it
1: i've got tons to talk about i've got tons of nerdy hobbies i didn't even get into my love of pinball machines oh my word them, you, now you don't just drop that
0: in at, at the end of the episode all right there will be a i part didn't even two. get to talk
1: about my vinyl oh, collection my word. Even, no. you know.
0: <laughs> and that's all i want to talk about <laughs> right there's going to be a part two to this we'll work it out in the next yeah. couple of weeks because uh, yeah vinyl you've said the magic word to me before we go though firstly thanks for coming on brilliant really enjoyed having this conversation
1: it's been an absolute pleasure honestly it's a dream come true
0: it's funny do, do you want to um just shout out sort of where people can hear you and, and your socials
1: oh yeah definitely um so I'm on twitter like most people at uh underscore pod you can find me there for updates and anything and everything that i'm watching everything that i'm playing reading that sort of thing um as well as everything else i'm on everything apart from apple podcasts so spotify Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, Audible. I'm on YouTube at the Nerd Sajit Podcast. So drop me a subscriber there. And uh yeah, that's about it for me. Really, um I'm slowly growing. I'm on season two now, so I'm I'm getting bigger as t- as time goes on. um But I'll be honest with you, Dan. This has been the highlight for me for my whole week. And if anything, it's like a late Easter present. So thank
0: you. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. No, thanks a lot. Um... And what I will say, yeah, definitely, if you're not already, check the Nostalgic out. So ju- like everyone who's been on here, Luke is just super supportive. Uh, yeah, you, you, you're one of the good ones in, in the podcasting world. So oh, no, he's, he's super supportive. So yeah, check him out. For me, as always, you can get hold of me at castingviewspod at gmail.com and on Twitter at castingviews. Both But for me and Luke, if you, if you do listen to us and you like what you hear, don't forget to, to give a five-star rating if you can on, on your platform and click the subscribe button. Yeah, Luke, once again, it's a pleasure. We will have you on. You've said two magic words there, pinball machines and <laughs> final. So that's secured you. We were talking before about having you back for something random, but you've now secured an extra slot for a continuation of this conversation.
1: Yeah, I'm on to round two. <laughs> yeah. Hope
0: you enjoyed. We'll see you next time. And I know there's a lot of podcasts from which you can choose. So I thank you for listening to Casting Views. Two, three, four. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, take what we've got, because you need it. Don't make us get a spark and voice.